I think it's fair to say that we live in a culture ripe with competition. Just look at the plethora of sports in our culture, how it is that uh, softball games are now on Sundays and throughout the weekend. Um, And it is, given our love of these sports, that I think it's fair to say competition is uh, an American way. But as we listen to John's discussion with Jesus in today's gospel, we might also deduce that it was no less prevalent in Jesus' day. But Jesus is always countercultural. Jesus, in this gospel, is making clear a point about competition, that it is, in fact, not the way of love when it comes to the business of setting souls free, which is what he came to do. As we hear in the message version of this gospel, it reads this. John spoke, teacher, we saw a man using your name to expel demons and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. Jesus wasn't pleased and said to them, don't stop him. No one can use my name to do something good and powerful and in the very next breath, cut me down. If he's not an enemy, he's an ally. Why anyone, by just giving you a cup of water in my name, is on our side? Count on it that God will notice this. Jesus makes clear To the disciples, they are not to prevent another who is doing work in the name of Jesus, nor are they to be in competition with them. I find this a challenging word that comes with a heavy warning about milestones and stumbling blocks for any of those who would cause these little ones who believe in me to sin. The scripture says that it would be better for him who causes one to stumble if a great milestone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. A pretty powerful visual, I would say, for these fishermen turned disciples, for they know, they've seen those milestones that were used to grind grain that had been worn down are then turned into anchors for boats. It's a very real and tangible reminder of what a milestone can do. Millstone. Is that what that correction is I hear from there? (laughs) And so the little ones referenced here, it's important to know, are not children as we've been hearing in the last few Gospels, but those who are young in faith. Did you know that you and I may be the only gospel that some people ever read? That's a bit shocking, but actually true. And so what we do and say about others who do work in the name of Jesus really matters. What gets the world's attention is when different denominations 
or community organizations come together in unity, letting go of their own agendas and pride for the good of the whole. That was certainly evident the day that we had 12 ministers come together down at Regios to meet about hurricane preparedness. I've never had so many strangers come up to me at the cash register and say, what's happening? What's going on here? What's, what's, what are all these pastors doing here? And they were pretty excited to know that we were coming together in unity for a greater good. So it's, this whole reading has caused me to wonder, what is behind the competition with other people, organizations, or churches? I wonder if we're, when we're competitive, that actually what's underneath it is this fear, a fear that we're not enough or that there isn't enough, fill in the blank. I imagine that there is a sense of feeling threatened. Maybe it's our safety, our security, our survival. Or is it more about ego and needing to prove that we possess a special knowledge, a better method, that we have a more honorable motive? Or then there is just that plain human instinct to become territorial when someone is not one of us. What if they do better? Ouch, huh? We want the kingdom of God to advance as Christians. That is our call to make disciples, to raise up new leaders to share the gospel, the good news, the hope that Jesus came, that we might have new life. But sometimes we can get into that trap that we'd rather claim credit for our corner of the kingdom than to work really truly for the wider kingdom. I know it to be true. I've experienced it myself. I see it even among Episcopal churches, and we've been speaking to it, trying to whittle down at it and say, we're stronger together than apart. As we read this gospel, I wonder, have you ever tried to stop someone from doing God's work of healing, thinking you were in the right? I know I have inadvertently, certainly not intentionally. That it's key that we recognize and realize that we're in the way of God and what God is up to when we get in the way of someone else doing what they've been called to. These poor disciples have been called up short on this very thing from Jesus. He goes on to let them know that they can't do something in my name and not be for me. And you're either for me or against me. Have you ever seen God use someone you thought couldn't be used? I have. Years ago, I would go to this Catholic church, and there was this little old man that was very tottery, and he reminded me a lot of Elmer Fudd. 
and he could hardly speak without stuttering. It was uncomfortable. But do you know, when he got up to preach, even reading his notes, time after time, God used him to sail in a message that convicted and changed my heart. Pride goes before a fall. We think we know better sometimes. We may even have that false sense of pride that God can't even use us. But the thing is that God can and will use anyone who submits, who surrenders to him. Now, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I kind of hate it when we get a gospel where the disciples are getting confronted because by extension, it confronts me. It smarts a bit. It causes me to have to change my attitude and my actions. And it's a bit like being corrected from a loving parent. You know it's for your own good, but oh, it doesn't feel good, does it? It's humbling, to be sure. But it is for our own good, and more importantly, for the good of the kingdom work of setting captives free. For that is what Christ came to do. It is a reminder that Jesus is calling us to a more mature posture as his followers. He tells, Jesus tells his disciples, Do not stop them, for no one can use my name to do something good and powerful. And in the next breath, cut Jesus down. If he's not an enemy, he's an ally. Whom have you considered an enemy that might be actually an ally of Jesus? Today's gospel offers us an opportunity to do a heart check, to look at where are we with that sense of competition with other traditions. I think it's also helpful to understand the story behind before this gospel today for a fuller context. You see, in the story prior, the disciples were walking along behind Jesus and they were arguing amongst themselves, who is greater among them? Is this not the human condition at its heart, that we as human beings want to be greater than others? It is that snag that we can get caught into. We clamor for position and wonder, who is the greatest? I think of the wicked queen and Snow White asking the mirror, 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 who, who is the fairest of us all? As humans, we want to be the center of the universe. That is just part of our DNA. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that he is the center. We are not. And that when we come to that cross, we acknowledge him as the center and surrender in humility, saying, we can't, but you can. You see, the disciples, they assumed that Jesus would be this power-wielding, triumphant king, and they wanted to reflect, be in his reflective glory. They wanted to be up close to the power grid. But Jesus, in his crazy humility, 
that's so confounding to the world's ways resets the order of things even in this story as he tells the Gospels in that early story that the first will be last and the last will be first. He's letting them know that to follow him is actually a deadly proposition and that by calling them to take up their cross and follow him, they are to look for humility rather than a position of power and prestige. You know, I don't know that the disciples are so much worried about whether these people were for or against Jesus. I think they were worried about their place and position in Jesus' Hall of Fame. It calls us again and again to that place in the heart of humility. Jesus speaks to our very human way of getting competitive with other people, organizations, and churches who are outside our circle or comfort zone. So what is it about the disciples and us that we want to be on this insider track of power with Jesus? I think it's, it's our human nature that we want to matter. We want to be seen as special. And when we say Jesus, yes to Jesus as Lord of our lives, the grace is, is that we're given the Holy Spirit to empower, empower us to do greater acts of power through humility. For that is the path of grace, humility. That when we surrender to Jesus, then we're empowered in a whole other way. The good news in this gospel is that Jesus' ridiculous generosity sets captives free through the likes of you and me. And people other than the disciples think of how small that movement would have been had the disciples been the only ones to be able to do it. The only ones to claim the name of Jesus to deliver others from what binds them. So I hope that you can see that there is enough. You are enough with Christ. There are plenty of people who do not know Jesus. Plenty to go around. I wonder what it would look like if you were to work on sharing the love and hope of Jesus and encourage the work of someone you might be tempted to compete with. Where is there a church or a minister that you can encourage? We don't need to be competitive of other people, churches, and organizations. The truth is right now the world needs the hope that we have in Jesus and that when we come together in unity, we are able to deliver them from what binds them. We have an opportunity at such a time as this to work together with other churches and organizations rather to be in competition. It is the way in which we will stand out from the world. This past week, I was able to come together with two of our church planters, and we came into the sanctuary and we prayed for two hours for this community, for their community, for the wider community. We dared to pray for the deliverance of Texas 
city and Lamarck children and their families, that they might be delivered from what binds them in the name of Jesus. There is the power and the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ. So I invite you this day to consider asking a neighbor or someone you might be tempted to compete with, rather to join you in prayer for the liberation of our children and their families, for if the church does not stand up for them, who will? Pray, pray as the reading from the epistle considers and urges us. Pray for our children and their families, for deliverance from fear, that that peace would reign in their hearts and their minds. And if praying for deliverance is too much for you, I ask you just to simply go pass out cups of water. By all means, dare to do something. Amen.